Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise that he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear God, who scatters the proud and fills the hungry, by your Holy Spirit, let your word leap within us and bring to our Advent longing the joy that comes with new beginnings and renewed lives. Amen. My grandmother, Eleanor Stockstill, like Mary's relative Elizabeth, was a first-class greeter. When I went to her house, the greeting that I would receive was like nothing else on earth. When I knocked on my grandmother's front door, what immediately followed was this electric moment in time, a lot like the moment that we live in right now as we await the coming of the Lord, when the expectation and excitement of what is about to happen was so great that I almost, almost couldn't imagine that what I was waiting for was about to experience any minute now could possibly be greater than what I enjoyed about the waiting itself. The bouncing in my shoes with excitement, the knocking again, the ringing the bell, the hearing her voice inside already talking to me as she made her way across the house. The distance and the door between us didn't keep my grandmother from picking up the conversation that we've been having since the day we first met. As the lock turned and the door swung open, she was always in the middle of telling me something that she'd started the moment she heard the car in the drive. My grandmother's stream of love flowed continuously and forcefully alongside her stream of conscience talking. Mimi, as I called her, carried on a seamless dialogue with the world and whatever soul happened to cross in her line of sight. And we believe that a good measure of her spirit, her DNA, her life force has ended up coursing through our own Lydia Grace. No dam could block the twin rivers of love and conversation. That made it all the more tragic when ALS the disease that would slowly take my grandmother's life the summer before I began 10th grade, started by robbing her the power to speak and to sing. Mary, Elizabeth's young relative, 
was not yet married to the man whose name was Joseph when the angel Gabriel announced that she would conceive in her womb and bear a son, and he was to be called Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High, and his kingdom will have no end. Upon receiving this message, Mary went with haste, Luke tells us. She rushed out of town into the hill country, into the arms of her Aunt Elizabeth. When I witness Elizabeth's greeting of her young pregnant relative, Mary, I hear my own grandmother's eager delight to see her children and grandchildren. Can you think of someone who's always excited to see you? Maybe a relative, maybe hopefully somebody in this church. I heard of a teacher recently in a very poor community who greets each and every one of his students every single morning with the same level of joy that Elizabeth greets Mary, to much the same result. His loving, enthusiastic, personalized, and deeply authentic greeting magnifies the soul of his students. Mary is greeted by her Aunt Liz in that same way. As the door swings open, she's already mid-sentence. Her hands come to her mouth at the sight of the girl. Her eyes gaze at Mary's not-yet-swollen belly because Elizabeth knows in her heart that Mary is with child. A squeal of joy erupts as she cries, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard that sound in your voice, the sound of your greeting, the child in my own womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Elizabeth lifts up Mary's courage and faith that the angel came to her, was telling the truth, and affirms Mary's blessedness. The first three Sundays of Advent, we heard from Jesus and John, prophecies and warnings about the time to come. With fire and wrath and occasional insults, the cousins thundered on about the kingdom that has come and is yet to come. We have been warned. Thank you, boys. Now that we have gone back to the time before they were born, we can finally hear what our hearts have been longing for all Advent from these incredibly strong women. The mothers of John and Jesus have messages full of joy. They use language that speaks of their souls. They are generous, as Elizabeth tells Mary, that she is a blessed woman not just because she's carrying a baby, but because of who she is. Mary, for her part, sings all about the mercy, the power, and the generosity of God for all God's people for eternity. As our hearts are full with the expectation of the arrival of Christ, Luke brings us to meet two Jewish women with wombs full of hope for the world. 
Luke says, as soon as Gabriel was out of there, Mary was up and out of town, headed for the hills to see Elizabeth with haste. She was in a hurry. We know of no traveling companion for the long trip, no mode of transportation. Did she walk? Did she ride a donkey? Did she stop along the way? We don't know. What we do know, Mary is independent. Mary is brave and strong. While she may have had reason to fear how the pregnancy would be viewed by her fiancé and her community, we should not read her quick escape to the country as being out of fear, though perhaps wisdom. It should be clear that Mary was not concerned about negative judgments of others when she boldly returned home three months later, still unmarried and all of the more pregnant. Mary's song makes clear exactly her state of mind. Joy. Mary doesn't fear the opinions of her religious community because perhaps they gave her no reason to question their unconditional love of her. If anybody was giving her the side eye about being unmarried and pregnant, Mary seems unfazed. What's obvious is she doesn't fear because she is so excited about this, what this baby means for her community, what this child means for all who are poor, all who are hungry, all who are oppressed. After Elizabeth released her from her strong embrace and Uncle Zacharias silently took her baths and poured coffee and piled cookies onto her plate, Mary speaks, and actually, she sings. Mary's song is called the Magnificat. Out of her abundance of joy, she can't help but sing, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary and Elizabeth are the leads of the story. Here they are center stage, and this is Mary's unforgettable solo. A recent study uh, just this week I saw showed that movies with women in the lead role make more money in the box office. Did you see this? Perhaps that's the, why Luke's Christmas story cast the women as the lead and why it's the favorite Christmas story of the Gospels. This is a story about Mary, Elizabeth, their strength, their joy, their faithfulness and praise of God. Mary is the center of creation in this moment, her body the womb of God, her breath and blood nourishing the embryonic God growing in her. She is a God-bearer, or as Elizabeth calls her, mother of my Lord. There's no sign of a meek or mild girl child, but instead a mother blessed who causes joy all around her and sees hope for all. And Mary's song isn't just about her being blessed. Mary's song is one of hope for every person who feels kinship with her as a servant. She sings, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He's lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things, helped his servant, remembered his mercy. Mary's song is for every single woman, child, and man who is hungry, who is pushed down by the world. Mary sees God's choice in someone like her to bear the Savior, to be evidence of God's choice for all who are poor, 
to bear the image of God in the world. As Jesus will say later, as you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. When Mary sings of her blessedness, she doesn't hoard it all for herself, but immediately she opens her arms and draws into her song, into her being, the lowly, the hungry, the servants. She sings, she sees, and she sings of hope for every suffering soul who ever lived. Every mother or father fleeing into the desert with their fragile little ones. Every starving child in Yemen. Every woman and child harmed in Harrisburg. Every person who gives up hope thinking that it can never return. In Mary's song, she looks down through the generations and sings straight to each and every one of us. She says, God, who has seen her in her situation blessed her to carry God into the world? Well, God's seen you too. God sees everyone like her, everyone who feels lowly and outcast, misfit and maligned. And yet God, seeing her, sees one perfect for being the mother of God. So her soul magnifies the Lord. She sings because God has magnified her. Choosing Mary's human flesh to give life to the Son of God. In doing that, God lifts up all flesh. All bodies of all shapes and ability are seen by God as perfect, as beautiful, as worthy of carrying what is precious and holy. In Mary's song, hope also means justice as she unflinchingly calls out the rich and arrogant brought down and scattered. Mary sees that there is great power within her, even though she has always seen herself as but a lowly servant. Things are about to change, she says. The whole world would be upended. God sees royalty living in substandard housing and detention centers. God sees poverty in the halls of power. Mary says, it's those who are hungry who are filled with good things, the rich sent away empty. The folk like to talk about Jesus being a carpenter, but I've seen no evidence for that in the Bible. They say that because Joseph was a carpenter. Jesus was a teacher. Everybody called him rabbi. He was a preacher. And when he preached, he sounded just like his mama. He'd been hearing her songs of protest, her hope-fueled lullabies since before he was born. So don't discount her influence on our Lord. Elizabeth and Mary show us about joyful greetings, like my grandmother showed me. Elizabeth teaches us the appropriate response to greeting one so blessed. Indeed, any person bearing the image of God, which is every person. Mary shows us how to greet our own blessedness. There is blessedness in each and every one of us because God is in each and every one of us. She, 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 she teaches us how to look for the image of God in ourselves and welcome that to shine with power and joy. 
She teaches us how to look for the image of God in the other, treat them with the dignity of Christ, to greet them with the joy of Elizabeth. For every woman, man, child who is surviving in spite of the pain, the loneliness, the shame, the war, the hunger, the violence, the addictions, and soul-sucking habits, God called Mary and Elizabeth to show us all exactly how this thing will play out. And there will be hope. We stand at the door knocking, and we hear the love that is inside. It's coming to us. It's waiting for us. And when that door swings open and those heavens break forth and those angels sing, well, you can't imagine the embrace that is coming. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.